Father God in heaven, you are perfect in all your ways. You are a good, good Father who brought us into this glorious, beautiful kingdom by the death of Jesus on the cross and by his resurrection from the dead. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And Father, we pray that you be exalted in every heart, every mind, in my preaching, in my teaching, in my notes, in the hearts and minds of the listeners. Lord, let us lift you high today. Lord, and let us find our strength in you. In the mighty name, the name that's above all names, the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. All God's people said, amen. Amen. You may have a seat. You may have a seat. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What a wonderful time of worship. And um, we normally hand out Bibles, but if you don't hand out your Bible, if you don't have your Bible with you, we'll have the verses um, up on the screen. It's great to see you guys this morning. It's great to see you. I hope all is well. Um, my wife is, my beautiful, lovely wife is not with me today. She called me at uh, about 9.45 this morning. And she's getting on the road from Tennessee. She spent the weekend with her sister, so... Um, I'm sure she's probably listening right now, so, hey, honey, (laughs) had to do that. But anyway, um, please turn in your Bibles this morning to 1 Peter, 1 Peter um, chapter 1, and I want to read to you verses 13 through 16, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. The scripture says, therefore, prepare your minds for action, keep sober in spirit, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourself in all of your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Father, again, thank you for your word. Lord, as we study this passage, uh, set us on fire, Lord. Give us a passion and a desire for godliness, for holiness, for dedication and commitment to you in the way we live our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, this morning we're, we're looking at the heart and soul of Christianity. The heart and soul of Christianity and how it affects your life. You know, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you become a follower of Christ. There's a change that takes place. The Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us, and it's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord who is holy, and he makes us holy. Now, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were instantly justified. You were made completely right. If something was to happen to you and you were to step into eternity, you would go to heaven. But after, that's called justification, by the way. But after justification, we go into what they call sanctification. And sanctification is a big theological word that simply means growing. Growing in our faith. What is, and that's what we're talking about, growing in our faith, godliness. What is holiness? Holiness is not a monk living in a castle, separated from the rest of the world. Uh, Holiness is not you and I living a dead, dry, boring life. Because living for Jesus is anything but boring. It's exciting. As Stephen Curtis Chapman would say back in the 90s, it's the great adventure. It's the great adventure. There's nothing better in this life than serving the Lord Jesus Christ, being yielded to the Holy Spirit, and letting him rule and reign in your heart and life. 
It's an amazing adventure. Holiness is you at holiness, that word, pursuit of holiness. Holiness is you and I pursuing Christ with all of our heart. It's leaving the old life behind. It's leaving the lies behind. It's leaving the immorality behind. It's leaving the sin behind. It's growing in our hatred of sin and our love for Jesus Christ. It's growing in godliness and it's living a life that reflects him, reflects the Savior that's living on the inside. That's what holiness is, okay? You know, we think about holiness, you think about priests and robes and liturgical stuff. That's not holy. What's holy is the Spirit of the Lord inside of us transforming our lives. But the first thing that you need to understand this morning is that a pursuit of holiness does not come to the life of a believer who is not focused and intentional on following Christ. There's got to be a focus. There's got to be a focus. So maybe you're a new Christian this morning, or maybe you're, you're trying to rein it all in and get this thing right. I want to give you eight ways this morning, eight ways if you're taking notes, how you can prepare yourself for holiness. Because that word holiness and sanctification and godliness, that can be a big theological word. And for the average Christian, their question is, how do I start? Where do I start? How do I grow in godliness? I want to help you this morning, okay? This is for the, for the, the new believer the, the, or the believer that wants to grow in their relationship with Christ. I want to give you eight ways that you can prepare yourself for the pursuit of holiness. And for the sake of flow of my teaching, I'm, I'm, I'm zoning in on the word focus. So each, each point is going to be focus. So let's take a look at it. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, let's look at verse 13 and see what the scripture says. Verse 13 says, Therefore prepare your minds for actions. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Right here alone in verse 13, I see three focuses. I see three focuses for every believer. Ways that you can apply Christianity in the way that you can uh, grow in your godliness. And the first one is, you got to have a focused mind. It starts at the top, right? you got to have a focused mind. He says there in the opening of verse 13, look at it yourself. It says, therefore, prepare your mind for action. you got to have a focused mind. You've got to make up your mind. In other words, you've got to make a decision. Am I going to serve Christ? Am I going to go all out? Am I going to live for him? You know, there's a decision that has to be made in the, in the mind of the believer. Am I going to do this? Am I in or out? You know, we need to make a decision. Joshua said, Joshua 24, 15, he says, Choose for yourself today whom will you serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the first principle that I present to you this morning is you got to focus your mind. you got to focus your mind on what's at hand and what's laid before us. Also, talking about our mind, you have to guard your mind. You have to guard your mind. How many people can testify how important it is to guard your mind? <laughs> you got to guard your mind. The mind is where the battlefield is. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. we got to guard our minds and protect what we allow to come into our minds. As J. Vernon McGee would say, stinking thinking leads to stinking living. And we can't be, we don't want stinking living. We want good, godly living. But it starts in the mind. Everything starts in the mind. It goes into the, it goes into the mind before it goes into the heart. You know, a focused 
mind enables us to make well, wise, informed, biblical decisions when we have our mind in the game. A, a focused mind enables you to open up the scriptures, look at the word of God, and ask the question, what is it saying? And you think about it clearly. And then with a focused mind, you say, how does this apply to my life? You see how Christianity is a, is a, is a, a thinking faith. We have to think it through, process it through our mind. Sometimes, man, I have to read a scripture 5, 10, 15, 20 times, read it for a whole week before it finally filters into my mind and gets into my heart. But we got to have a focused mind. Secondly, in verse 13, look at the next part of the verse. Verse 13, it says, uh, keep, sober, keep sober in spirit. The second focus that you got to have if you want to pursue holiness and godliness is you got to have a focused heart. you got to have a focused heart. It says, keep sober in spirit. That word sober... In the text there, it means to not be intoxicated. And specifically within the context of the passage, to not be intoxicated with the world. We don't want to be intoxicated by, by the world. What happens when an, intoxica an intoxicated person gets behind the wheel of a car and they're going down the road? What are they doing? They're going all over the place. They're going to the left. They're going to the right. They're all over the place. They can't keep the, the car going down the road. My friend, when you... When your heart is not focused, your life will be all over the place. Don't lose control of your heart. Don't lose control of your life. Understand, this is, you got one life to live, and let's live it for the glory of God. Let's live it for the glory of God with a focused mind, with a focused heart. Peter would go and say later on in this chapter, 1 Peter chapter 5, he'd say, be sober, here the phrase again, be sober of spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So we got to be sober in spirit. Sober in spirit, in, in the context of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, means we need to be alert. We need to be alert, and we need to be aware of what's taking place around us. Okay? This, this is, you know, the eye of the tiger, man. This is... Uh, like an athlete, man, you got to be focused. You got to have your head in the game, and then you got to have your heart in the game. And then he says at the end of verse um, 13, the first focus was a focused mind. The second focus was a focused heart. The third focus also found in verse 13. He says, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The third one is you got to have a focused vision. You got to have a focused vision. The scripture says, without a vision, the people perish. If you go and study that verse, it's not, that's not a principle for business. and that's, that's a, a, the, Without a vision, the people perish. In the context of that verse, it's talking about without a revelation of the truth of the word of God, the people perish. So we got to have a focus. That focus has got to be singular. He says, fix your hope. Complete, the phrase, completely on the, completely on the. That's a singular focused life. And that focus is to please Jesus Christ. Man, man, you, you, get these, you get these principles down pat, man? Man, watch out. The devil is not going to like you because you are going to be on fire for the Lord. You're going to be a kingdom-minded person when you have one aim, fix your hope completely on the grace. So we're fixed completely on God revealing his grace his unmerited favor in our life and brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ 
in verse 13, he's referring to, he's talking about the rapture of the church. He's talking about the return of Christ. And we have that, we have that fixed hope at the very end that Christ will split that eastern sky. He will come again. And until he comes again, we're focusing our spiritual life on the grace of God. It doesn't get any better than that. Okay? We're, we're, leaving, we're leaving behind long-faced religion. We're, we're leaving behind dead, dry, boring, orthodox. And we're getting filled with the Spirit of God, yielded to him, and serving him with all of our hearts in the context of our pursuit of holiness. Looking at verse 14, let's look at our fourth one. There's eight of them in this passage. The fourth one I found in verse 14, he says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in your ignorance. The fourth focus that I present to you this morning is you got to have a focused obedience. You got to have a focused obedience. You see, there's this war going on inside the heart of each and every one of you guys this morning. There's a war going on, okay? There's a fight between the spirit and the flesh. The spirit wants you to excel and move forward in your relationship with Christ. The flesh wants you to backslide. And we got to say no to backsliding. We got to say no backsliding. We got to make no room for compromise. You see, there's nothing from the old life that benefits us. I want to share with you a slide of it. My, the high school, middle school students will know the slide. I taught from this slide uh, Wednesday night. Wednesday night youth group, I was in here teaching the, the middle and high school students. And we were talking about this very subject right here, what sin brings, what Jesus brings. And if you notice the words from left to right, they correlate. They're the opposite of each other. And I was explaining to the kids uh, um, about trusting in Christ and what does Christianity do for us? What does Jesus do for us? Well, the first thing, he brings us from death to life. Sin brings death, okay? That's why all people die, because of the temptation. Sin came into the world, the fall. And sin brings spiritual death. And we have all experienced spiritual death in our hearts by the fall. We have a fallen nature. But when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you move over, he brings life. He brings life. He brings you back to life, as Ephesians chapter 2 says. Sin brings darkness. You know, sin darkens our heart. Jesus brings light because Jesus is the light of the world. And he says, you become the light of the world and shining forth his glory. Sin brings condemnation. Jesus brings freedom. Sin brings separation from God. Jesus brings closeness with the Lord. I, br I bring this slide, I present this slide to you this morning to simply say, why in the world would you go back? Why in the world would we want to go back to the old way of life? I'm not going back to death. I'm not going back to darkness. I'm not going back to condemnation. And I'm not going to be separated from my Lord. I want to choose the column on the right. And I want to have life and life more abundant. I want to live in his light. I want to live in his freedom. And I want to be close to my Lord and Savior. So looking at verse 14, he says, Do not be conformed to the former lust, the old way of life, but embrace the new life. There's nothing. Make a decision. You know what? Divorce yourself 
from the old habits, from the old sin, from the old ways of life. So we got to have a focused obedience. Jesus said in the Gospels, I believe it's in uh, John 17, he said, if you love me, what? You will obey me. That takes growth, friend. And I, I can say that, and, that sound, and, and we all like to say it, but do we do it? We, we got to learn to love him so much more and esteem him so greatly that our hearts bow in reverence and obedience and focused obedience to the Lord. That's what it's all about. This is the pursuit of holiness. Verses 15 and 16. In this passage I'm teaching through this morning, which is verses uh, 13 through 25, verses 15 and 16 is like the centerpiece of the passage. Everything in this passage centers around these two verses. Look at verse 15. He says, But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourself also in all your behavior, because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. This is the corner. Right now as we speak, on the other side in eternity, in a place called the third heaven, the angels are surrounding the throne right now as we speak. And they are crying out with their angelic voices and their wings going forward. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Because he is pure. He is perfect. He is without sin. He is good. He is great. He is mighty. And he is holy. And my fifth focus that I present to you this morning is we, we got to be focused on understanding who God is. Understanding who God is with our minds, with our hearts. God is holy. God is perfect. God is righteous. He is pure. There is no darkness in him whatsoever. He is purity. He is holy. This creates a problem. This creates a problem for mankind. And what is that problem? We are none of these. We are not perfect. We are not righteous. We are not pure. We are filled with darkness when we come into this world and my friend, that is why Jesus died on the cross. Because God is perfect, and we are not. And we needed a way back to the Father. We needed restored fellowship, a renewed a relationship, a cleansed heart. And that's why Jesus died. Jesus died to make you and me holy, righteous, pure, and to cleanse our hearts from darkness. Notice verse 16. Verse 16 is not a suggestion. It is a command. He says, verse 16, you shall be holy, for I am holy. This is a command. If you're looking for a loophole in the Bible where you and I do not have to pursue holiness, you will not find it. You will not find it. When we follow Christ and we're yielded to the Spirit, then there will be a desire in our heart. We won't be perfect. No one's perfect. But there will be a deep yearning desire in our heart for the holiness of God, for the holiness of God. We hunger for his holiness. We desire his holiness because we've been born again. We desire the holiness and godliness because we realize how great and how big and how awesome, and how perfect God is and, and how little and how small and how insufficient we are. But friend, he's made a way. He's made a way by his grace, by his spirit, and by his word, we can grow in godliness. So we've got to be focused on understanding who God is. He's not our pie in the sky. He's not our buddy. 
He's not our pal. He's not our chum. He's the Lord God Almighty. These are the things we have to understand in our pursuit of holiness. Continuing on in verse 17, he says, If you address us, Father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's works, conduct yourselves in fear during this, the time of your stay on the earth. Again, you know, this is, this is going off of verses 15 and 16, and we have to live a life of holy reverence, a holy reverence. This does not mean that we're scared of God. This does not mean we're scared or frightened by God, but this means that we have a deep respect. We have a deep respect for who God is and that we, we take him serious at his word. And when he, when he speaks, we listen. And when he says to us this morning, be holy, we say, yes, Lord, help me be holy. Help me, give me a willing spirit, man. This is the heart of the matter is will we bend our knee? Will we bend our knee in submission to our Lord and our King and be holy and separate apart from the world and serve him with sincerity and truthfulness and honesty and integrity and run like you know what from sin and flee from the old way of life? This, my friend, is the pursuit of holiness. Verse 18 and 19. Boy, this is, this is the mountaintop, guys. You know, like, like, like if my sermon's a mountain and we're climbing up the mountain and we're learning all these things as we go up, we're at the peak. We're at the peak of the mountain now. This is the most, the most important one. He says, verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ. Number six, I present to you. Number five was a focused understanding of who God is based on verses 18 and 19. The sixth focus I present to you this morning is, is there's got to be a focus on the cross. There's got to be a focus on the cross in our pursuit of holiness. You know, everything... The obedience, the faith, our, our, our deeds, our works, our actions, our fellowship is all in response to the cross. It's all in response to the cross. We esteem the sacrifice. We understand the great value. We were not purchased with silver or gold or money or stocks or bonds but we were saved by God himself. Jesus did not send a lamb. He is the lamb. He sacrificed himself, and he poured out his precious blood. And when we, on that mountaintop, when we esteem that sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and we understand its great value, we will hate what put him there. What put Jesus on the cross? My sin. My sin put him on the cross. Your sin put him on the cross. In his great love for you and I, Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We've got to esteem that sacrifice. We've got to move beyond the religious art and the pictures and the thoughts and the liturgy and 
we got to see Christ crucified 2,000 years ago, just like it was yesterday. Because Hebrews 13, 8 says, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Man, that was a long time ago. That was 2,000 years ago. The scripture says that a thousand years in our sight is as one day to God and just the opposite. See, God is no respecter of time or eternity. You and I have a front row seat to the crucifixion by faith in the scriptures. So we've got to be focused. We've got to be be focused. Um, I guess about three weeks ago, Dejan Monroe took off, went to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, where many of us in this fellowship have gone to basic training, have joined the guard in the, in the army. We don't call it Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. We call it Fort Lost in the Woods, Misery. <laughs> he, he left. He went to basic training, but flew to St. Louis, went to Fort Leonard Wood, showed up at, at, at the uh, reception station. And there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons to quit in basic training. There's a lot of distractions that come your way. But what they do when you first arrive at basic training, pretty much for any branch, I'm sure it's the same way, is they remove the distractions. They remove the distractions so that you can focus on making it through basic training. And as soon as you get off that bus and you show in, the first thing they did I will never forget is they shaved my head. I did not like that. They, you know, they, 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 they took my hair, took away my identity of who I was, prior to coming. And then they didn't have, we didn't have cell phones in 1989, but for the recent folks who's gone to basic training, the next thing they do is they, they put a Ziploc bag and they write your name on it and they say, here you go, put your cell phone right here. And they take your cell phone away. Then they put you in a uniform and they do all these things. Why do they do those things? They're doing those things for your best interest because it enables you to focus on the mission And they know that if you have those things, you know, if you're dressed any old way, if you still have your hair, if you still have your cell phone, you know, you're going to be distracted. So we have to remove distractions. And we have to prepare ourselves in the same manner when we want to serve Christ. We got to to focus in on those things that will enable us to pursue a life of holiness and dedication and commitment to the Lord. So... Let's say, yes, Lord, whenever he wants to work in our life. Let's, let's, when the Holy Spirit prompts you and says, you know what, you need to let this go, say, yes, Lord. No, Lord, please help me. Help me grow in this area of my life. Let's continue, verse 20. A life of focus, life of dedication, life of commitment. We, we, there's action required on our part. Again, it doesn't happen automatically. You know, we have to get our head and hearts in the game. Verse 20, he says, For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for, for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and your hope are in God. Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls. Here it is, guys. Here's my next, my seventh focus. For a sincere love of the brethren fervently love one another from the heart. If you want to grow in godliness, you want to grow in holiness, there has to be a focus in your life on fellowship. I cannot express to you 
how important fellowship is. I've seen throughout the past 20 years, man, there's two things a Christian life, a person serving the Lord hinges on. One is being in the word, and two is being in fellowship. There is something special when you meet with other believers, whether it's in the church or in a Bible study or men's group or in someone's home, but there's something special about coming together and rubbing shoulders. There has to be a focus of fellowship. There has to be a focus of fellowship. Experiencing koinonia, as, as, the, um, as the Greek word emphasizes, getting to know your spiritual family, getting to know your spiritual family and doing life together. You know, there's, um, we're not physically related, but spiritually we are because we're a family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, and I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I know with my physical family, don't mess with my sister. Don't mess with my mom and dad because I got their back and they got my back. Me and my brother and sister, we're, we're in it for life. And we need to have that same camaraderie and that same affectionate feeling towards our family within the church. Not bitter, backbiting, and arguing, and fussing, and complaining, but a holy love and a care for one another. We got to do life together. Acts 2.42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. There's four things there the early church did back then. They kept them together. And there's four things there in this verse that you and I need to be doing, that we need to be doing in the church today. One, we need to be gathering for teaching what we're doing this morning, getting into the word, growing in the word, letting the word of God wash us and cleanse us and increase our faith and just coming into God's house and relaxing and just soaking in the truths of God's word. Hopefully right now, I know your ears are open, but hopefully it's going in your ears, going in your mind. You're being a good Berean. You know, you're, you're, you diligently study the scriptures to make sure what Pastor David is saying is true. And then once it makes it through that filter of your mind, like, yep, check, that's right. That's what the scripture says. Then you just allow it to flow into your heart and let it minister to you this morning. Let it build you up. And then you have fellowship. That's just gathering, rubbing shoulders, being with one another. I, that some of my best friends are in this church now because the time we spent together, the time we rubbed shoulders, the time that, man, some of the, the men in here, I've got to know you and I know you so well that if I'm going through a difficult time, I'm going to call you up and say, hey, man, can you pray for me? I hope you'll do the same for me. We're not perfect people. We all have issues. You got stuff going on in your life. You probably need my help. I'm here to offer it. I got things going on in my life sometimes. I might need your help. And I will come to you. Let's work together for each other's good. Let's do this. Breaking of bread. The first Sunday of every month, put your $50 aside that you would spend on lunch after church and join us uh, for a fellowship meal. The first Sunday of each month. Uh, as soon as service lets out, that, that whole fellowship area out there has got a spread of food awaiting, on, awaiting everybody. And it's free. And it's designed to have food, have break to break bread together. And of course it said there to pray for one another, Acts 2.42. You know, we have brothers and sisters that we can pray for. We won't judge you, but we'll love you. You know, we will lift you up. We, 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 we won't condemn you. We'll point you to Jesus. We'll point you to the Savior. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, 
Let us consider how that we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, some are in the habit of doing. But here it is, guys. Scripture says, encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. This is part of church. This is part of fellowship. Now, as soon as we close service today, if you got to go, go. You know, I know we all got plans, but, but if you want to stay and do some fist pumping and fellowship, by all means, stay. Stay. Talk, brothers, talk to your brothers in Christ. Ladies, talk to your sisters in Christ. Talk to one another. Ask each other, hey, Matthew, how you doing, man? No, how you really doing? Have some conversation. Build relationships with one another so that we can help one another and so that we can pursue holiness. Because as the scripture says in the context of this chapter, verse 22, he says, let there be a fervent love for one another from the heart. In other words, we care. We care for you. I hope you care for me because I care for you guys. And we love each other. And I love you guys. Verse 23, our final Number, so number seven, if you were taking note, was a focus on fellowship found in verse 22. Let's look at the final focus in our pursuit of holiness. Verses 23 through 25 says, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, fall off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. My final focus that I present to you this morning in your pursuit of godliness, in your pursuit of holiness, in your pursuit of growing, is there has to be a focus on Scripture. There has to be a focus on Scripture. Okay? 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for correction, for training and rebuke and building us up. This is what he's given us to build us up. And then Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-double-edged sword. Jesus said, talking about the scriptures, he told disciples, it's mentioned in multiple places, he says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not. His word will not pass away because he will not pass away. Hebrews 13, 8 says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And family, the scripture is our firm foundation. It's the firm foundation for your Christian walk. It's the firm foundation for your family. And it's the firm foundation for your pursuit of godliness. We have to grow we have to grow in the scriptures. We've got to get into the word. In the scriptures is everything that you and I need for life and godliness. Psalms 119.9 says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to his word. Man, this, 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 this Bible, if you'll listen to it and you'll obey, it'll, it'll save you from a lot of heartaches in life. It'll save you from a lot of heartaches in life and you'll make godly decisions that later on in life you'll be like, I am so thankful I did what the word said. There, there, there's reward. You see, reading and studying the scriptures 
not finished there, reading the scriptures, studying the scriptures, but then there's one more step you got to do. You got to apply the scriptures. Read it, study it, apply it, and it will take you to new heights in your pursuit of the Lord. It will take you to new heights in your growth and godliness. Not so that you can be a show-off or or not so that you can be this holier-than-thou person because that person doesn't exist, but so that we can, we can uh, reflect the life of Christ dwelling on the inside of us. He will take you to new heights that you have never experienced before by being in the Scriptures, by there being a focus on Scripture. He'll give you victory over temptation. He'll give you breakthroughs in spiritual battles. He'll give you a deeper, stronger faith if we will do what the scripture says. That's why we're committed Sunday mornings, New Testament, Wednesday nights, Old Testament. We're taking in all of God's word from every angle and just letting it build our lives. And I'm gonna tell you, I've been a part of a lot of churches. You guys here at Calvary Chapel Irma are one of the most loving group of people I have been around. And I attribute it not to me, but I attribute it to God and to our focus being on the Lord, and to our focus of being on diving into the scriptures and expository teaching and letting the scriptures lead and guide our fellowship and our church. There's got to be a focus on scripture. So that's what I present to you this morning. If there's a deep yearning desire in your heart, in your mind, that says, man, I want to grow. I want to grow in godliness. I want to grow in holiness. Then do these things. Do these things in your pursuit of holiness. Let there be a focused mind. Let there be a focused heart. Let there be a focused vision. Let there be a focused obedience. Let there be an, uh, a focused understanding of who God is, that he is holy. And on the mountaintops, let there be a focus on the cross. Everything is in response to the cross. Just the... the when I think about what Jesus did for me at the cross, it melts my heart. It says, man, I look at how far he went and what he suffered through. If he died for me, I'm going to live for him. I'm going to live for him. So we focus on the cross, six, number seven. We focus on fellowship. And then finally, we focus on the scriptures. Those are the principles I present to you this morning in your pursuit of holiness, your pursuit of godliness. Now let's pray over what we've just learned. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your spirit. And Lord, I pray that you work in the heart of every believer this morning, a deep yearning desire Lord, not to work, but to submit to you, to yield to you, and to allow your Holy Spirit to give us a deep desire for the pursuit of holiness. And Lord, help each and every one of us to do our part. Help each and every one of us to do our part in, in our pursuit of following you, trusting you, and living for you, Lord. And give us that deep desire and help us to grow in godliness. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.